It's Friday the 15th of April. This is the Climate Alarm Clock. This week's headlines, Citizens' Assembly on Biodiversity Loss is launched, and the ban on the sale of turf is announced. Or is it? Also coming up on this week's show, we begin our Birdwatch Ireland collaboration, and we chat to Porrick Fogarty from the Irish Wildlife Trust. Hello and welcome to the Climate Alarm Clock, your weekly Irish climate news podcast. I'm Dara Wynn, and here at the Climate Alarm Clock, we think that tackling climate change and maintaining a livable planet into the future are fairly important things. If you think the same, make sure to follow us on social media on Instagram and Facebook at Climate Alarm Clock and on Twitter at The Climate Alarm. We start our episode, as always, with our news roundup, and I'm delighted to be joined by Kira Daly and Anna Pringle. Kira, how are you keeping? I'm good. Thank you very much, Dara. Had a nice week um, avoiding the news until this morning, but keeping those spirits high, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And Anna, how are you doing? How are you doing in the aftermath of the IPCC report? Oh, hanging in there, Dara. I'm in Donegal this week, so that always helps the mood, listening to the birds and in wide open spaces. It's, uh, it's such a lovely thing to be able to do. And it leads in nicely to our first story because on Saturday, the Citizens' Assembly on Biodiversity Loss was launched. What is, I need hands up, what's a Citizens' Assembly teacher? <laughs> uh, so a Citizens' Assembly, it's a really, really amazing initiative that's been going on in, uh, for different issues in Ireland uh, over the last number of years where basically a hundred people are randomly selected. They're representative of the entire Irish population and they come together to discuss important issues uh, relating to Irish life and Irish government policy. Uh, so basically what happens is these 100 people come into a room, they get to meet with experts, hear expert presentations, learn about important issues, ask questions, and then those 100 people make recommendations on these issues, which are then uh, brought forward to government and ideally used to form government policy. So oh, it, that's cool. Yeah, so it's amazing. So in the past, we've seen one on the Eighth Amendment. The recommendations on the Eighth Amendment were sort of used as a starting point for the repeal the Eighth Referendum. There was yeah. one on climate change in 2017, before okay. climate change was really being talked about. And the recommendations on that were really, really radical. Um, okay. And they haven't been implemented word by word but they have definitely been used as a starting point for our climate policy here right so they are like they these are something that are actually making an impact these citizens assemblies they are yeah um yes. yeah and i guess so how much of an impact it makes really depends one on how much coverage it gets and how aware yeah. people are of it and two on how much the government actually take the policy to heart but one really nice thing about the climate change assembly was that that's been held up as a model of best practice around the world. And lots of other countries since Ireland have done it, have done assemblies on climate change globally. So in terms of what difference can Ireland make in taking climate action? Well, actually, we've really led by example here. Brilliant. To go back, this one is on biodiversity loss. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. what does that mean? So basically, our natural world, apart from having to deal with climate change, is in a really bad state. We've lost... Okay. Lots of our native ecosystems, like our forests, like our bogs, we've lost uh, some native species and a lot of our native species are under threat of extinction. So yeah. this Citizens' Assembly is looking at our declining wildlife and the effects yeah. that's going to have on, on us and how to tackle it. 
Okay. So I actually read in the piece that you sent us this morning that it's a climate, there's a biodiversity emergency. Yeah. Right. And when, and that was announced in 2019. Uh, yes. So we. And this, this yeah. is our reaction to the emergency three years later. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's been a biodiversity. It takes a lot of time to find those <laughs> citizens, Kira, you know. So we've been in a biodiversity emergency for years. It was officially declared in 2019 uh, by government uh, climate and biodiversity emergency. And there was a, an amendment at the time to say that we would have a citizens assembly on biodiversity. And three years later, um, <laughs> we're seeing it. But okay. I think it's a it's a really good news story. Uh, yeah. It's great that this is being discussed. It's great that citizens are having an input. How, as I said, how good of a story it is depends on how much coverage it gets. And we'll be covering it all the way here at the Climate Alarm Clock and how much the government actually follow up on the recommendations that, yeah, that the Assembly them. make. Yeah, but the great Well, the great thing about the Assembly so far has been when the citizens make the recommendations and put it to the Oireachtas in black and white, it's very hard yeah. to avoid at least considering them. So the, the Climate Citizens Assembly was very radical and a lot of their recommendations did end up in the Climate Action Plan. Not not entirely, but a lot yeah. did. And, and the beauty of Citizens Assemblies is you've got 100 people sitting in a room being well informed about the science and about you know what's going on and hearing all sides of an argument and they and taking it seriously. And yeah. they come out with some amazing recommendations. So it's a very positive process it's probably a bit too slow, as you're saying, yeah. Kira. But but it is a very positive process. I guess there's that added yeah. benefit as well of the people in those citizens' assembly are actually given, like they're immersed in that information, and then they can go home and and tell you know their friends and family about it. And just to be clear, like these people going in don't necessarily already have an interest in. No, it's a hundred. So it's a hundred yeah. people. They're not even selected at random. It's 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 selective sampling. So it'll make sure that the hundred people are from all across Ireland. There'll be a gender balance. There'll be a mix of age, and there'll be a mix of backgrounds. So it's really representative okay. of the Irish population. Yeah. Okay. So um, well, look, guys. Not often you guys come at me with a positive story. So I'm going to take it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and to I suppose to link that story to our next story, one of the recommendations of the climate assembly way back in 2017 97 percent of the members recommended that the state should end all subsidies for peat extraction and instead spend that money on peat bog restoration making proper provision for the protection of rights of workers impacted and that all subsidies should be ended in five years we're actually and the good news is that they're doing it now that's what you're going to tell me next isn't well, it? Just keep uh, it positive. <laughs> well <laughs> Turf and the sale of turf has been back up in the news this week. So, Anna, do you want to explain a little bit more? Yeah, sure. And a lot of action has been taken to reduce peat extraction. Mm -hmm. Um, Commercial peat extraction by Bordnemona, etc., has been drastically reduced and is being phased out. So this week then, Eamon Ryan has announced that the state must restrict turf sales without delay. And he's basing that on the need to improve air quality. So it's related to climate emissions too, but also air quality. So um, he's come out and said that pollution from fuels such as smoky coal and peat are killing people and that we have to restrict the sale of them as a measure to protect people. And apparently the data shows that up to 1,300 people a year 
are dying prematurely and largely due to air pollution from solid fuel fires. Now we're very, it is crazy and we're very attached to our open fires in Ireland and I'm not sure people really understand the extent of the air pollution that's caused by it. Yeah. Um, But that's the contribution and peat and turf are obviously contributing to that air pollution and it's a significant contribution. So basically Eamon Ryan is coming out saying this based off the evidence or based off the recommendations from the previous Citizens Assembly based on like science that's been presented to them. So why exactly is like his name? Surely is anyone else saying it with him? Well, as has been happening recently in this government, Eamon Ryan has been trotted out to the edge of the gangplank um, to make these announcements that are not popular announcements. Yeah. Meanwhile, so yesterday we had this announcement and then closely followed by Leo Varadkar telling the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party that it's not going to happen in September. It's going to be paused. Well, according to Mr. Varadkar, telling those who cut and sell turf that they could no longer do so, it's like telling the French they can't have wine or the Italians they can't have pasta. What is Varadkar eating for dinner? I know, this makes us sound very refined as a nation, but still. Um, yeah, so so Varadkar said, nope, we're not going to be doing that. So it's and why? turning in... Just because he thinks it's like such an important part of our culture. It's because, well, that's what they're saying, but it's also because there's a backlash from rural-based backbenchers in Fianna, Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil. I see. And it's been, it's been portrayed as an attack on the rural way of life. We had also had Barry Cowan of Fianna Fáil um, being very adamant that this should not happen either. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and then, of course, you, go ahead, Darren. Yeah, and they came out and said this needs to be done gradually. And it should have been done gradually, but it should have been done gradually. Yeah, gradually. Starting, starting, if that information is old, <laughs> yeah, <that's> gradual. <laughs> starting years ago, it yeah. should have been done gradually. We're at this point now where we need to act. It's September 2022 is when it's due to come in. So everyone who gets their turf from the bog this summer and buys it maybe off their neighbour can still do that. So it would really become an issue in winter of 2023. So that means the government have a whole year to get alternatives ready. If that means giving free timber to people who would normally use turf for a couple of years, then let's do it. Like we're in a climate emergency. We need our bogs to be sequestering carbon rather than being used as a source of fuel. So let's let's get going what do you mean when you say sequestering so if bogs are in their storing, natural state they actually carbon. store okay, carbon yeah. they draw carbon down from the down from the atmosphere and store it in the bogs yeah right so basically instead of taking this turf into people's homes and us having you know smoke inhalation or air pollution and then also damaging the environment we want to keep where it is so that it can help us get better and you're telling me that politicians have a problem with this because we need to look like the french and have a glass of wine (laughs) (laughs) Mm, the wine sounds good um yeah i mean so every time you cut a solid turf you're releasing emissions before you even burn it then you release more emissions um but the problem is that the media coverage of this is more interested in the political row between yeah. the Greens, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael than they are in the underlying issues and the yeah. underlying science of this. So you're not seeing coverage, you're seeing coverage of the row much more than coverage of what the, at the facts beneath yeah. it. Well, that, and it's mean, also that point that you made about 1,300 people, that's a huge number over something that can be solved quite easily. Like, yeah. you know, uh, but, yeah, in the yeah. grand scheme of things, I mm. know it sounds like, you know, maybe four or five years ago, I would have been like, oh, well, you can't just like 
cut off things and change and do things so drastically. But then the pandemic happened and then we realised, oh, they actually can yeah. if they really want to. Yep. So I guess for me, it would be like, well, why don't we focus on like that point instead of like, what's this argument that a couple of men are having in the doll? Why is there not more of a story around like, A, the environmental impacts, but like B, that ter- like I actually just can't get over this number. 1300 people a year. That's absolutely insane. Yeah. Over something that can be incentivized quite easily, like I would imagine. Um and yeah. make a huge impact. Yeah, Kira, there's some re- that's like such a good point from the point of view that the media and politicians need to be more responsible here and treat yeah. the issues more seriously. And also, what we're seeing is the co-benefits of taking climate action in reducing our emissions. We're we're saving lives. So yeah, yeah we need a we need a uh, maybe a more mature, responsible response from from the government in particular yeah. on this. Yeah. Um. All right. Um. Shall we move on to our not climate story then? Anna, what story were you looking at today? Well, now for something completely different, Dara. And this one struck me and I thought it might be one that Kira might appreciate. It's a little bit lighter. Um, and the story that we're audience. looking at is... Uh, yeah, I know. I'm trying to learn my audience here. So, Kira, the story we're looking at today is um, Brooklyn Beckham marries actress Nicola Peltz in a lavish 3.6 million euro ceremony. Oh, lovely. And did they have a great day out? <laughs> the mother have the hat. The, <laughs> oh, I'd say there was more than hats now I had. But um, so, yes, yeah, so there was a big glittery celebrity wedding that got lots of coverage and they got married in Florida on the beach in Palm Beach. It was all very romantic and beautiful. Anna, what's, and that, the, what's that got to do with climate change? Well, it gives us a nice distraction. All right, Dara, give her a break. She's just trying to help me. <laughs> yeah, really, Dara. Dara, I can tell this is not up your alley, Dara. It gives Don't us you know a nice culture t- is a great escape from climate change. I, I'm sure that's where Anna's going with this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a distraction. Um, well, no, I mean, it just struck me as such a clear example of how the one percent lives, yeah. and we know from the IPCC report and from everything we read that, you know, 1% of people in the world are the biggest emitters and causing the greatest amount of carbon emissions and climate change. So I just thought this story just shows it all in a nutshell and also the amount of coverage it got and the and the sort of fawning descriptions of all of the designer clothes and the £350,000 engagement ring that Brooklyn gave Nicola, which, by the way, she later upgraded. I don't know how you upgraded wow. a 350,000 engagement ring, but there you go. So, yeah, so I just thought it was a great example of the contrasts that we are living with. It was like, I have to be honest, so you guys sent on the story, it was the independent Irish Independent it was in? Yep. Okay, I'm going to preface this, first of all, by saying I am a fantastic fan of pop culture, celeb culture. I am priding myself on the fact that I've watched over 400 hours of Real Housewives uh, Ah! in the last two or three years. (laughs) So I'm with these people. Look, I love a story about the celebs and what they're doing. But what I love is I love to watch them and I love to think that is bloody ridiculous. Who are these lunatics? Why are like, I love that side of it. But when I read this story in the Irish Independent, which to me is a grown up newspaper, like I remember being small and seeing all the grown-ups by the Irish Independent. (laughs) I A was like, why is this story in the Irish Independent? 
And then B, when I read it, I felt like I was being trolled because the level of detail that I know now about Brooklyn Beckham and his wife's wedding is beyond ridiculous and the fact that I know it from the <laughs> Irish Independent is actually I'm like what kind of world am I living in the whole just to kind of give an example right so I took out some this is one paragraph of detail from uh, from the article so it said the bride wore a custom Valentino gown with Pelsa's stylist Leslie Freemar telling British Vogue the dress was the ultimate couture experience and included a something <laughs> blue surprise from Pelsa's mother Claudia Hefner Peltz with a message sewn into the skirt for her daughter it goes on to say sharing a picture of on Instagram of his wife aspiring chef Beckham didn't know that captioned the picture my beautiful bride also sharing a picture of himself with footballer father david and brothers romeo and cruz all suited up writing the boys fine brilliant but the reason i felt like i was being trolled look i don't mind like i'm all for these stories but it was the fact that when i look at like something that i genuinely want to know about and I'm concerned about in terms of that article about the um, restrictions around turf one of like the most things that I was struck by was the 1300 people dying prematurely so this is what it was it the Irish Times that had this one this is the sentence this is all they could kind of bring themselves to report on about that the data points to 1300 people dying prematurely in Ireland each year due to air pollution from solid fuel fires and then how they go on and expend on this? Research undertaken by the Environmental Protection Agency yeah. demonstrates that the contribution of peat to air pollution levels is significant. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I know basically what pelts looks like from her head down to her bloody socks and they can't even give me the detail <laughs> of like why these 1300 people are like they can't even give me a little an extra sentence about it and that's why I just thought like what is this a joke like and they can't even take like 10 minutes to write an extra bloody sentence about 1300 people dying prematurely every year to expand on why what the importance of that is like instead they're just pitting Barry Cohn whoever he is and Eamon Ryan, I do know who he is, against each other. And I was just yeah. like, that's insulting, actually, to me. It yeah. just, yeah, it was really disappointing to me anyway. I don't know if that came across. <laughs> <laughs> well, I clearly touched a nerve here, Kira. So, um, mm. yeah, yeah, that's a, a high bar set for the not climate story, Anna. Uh, really high levels high levels but to, look uh, next week bring me a real week. housewives uh, story and I'll be all with you <laughs> let those women do what they want they're independent <laughs> yeah um, okay that is like what are the real housewives <laughs> Dara's desperately trying to get us back under control here Kira. Dara there are a load of yeah. birds you'd love them <laughs> <laughs> right Dara stop Uh, that is the end of our news roundup and the end of part one of the climate alarm clock for this week still to come we start our collaboration with Birdwatch Ireland and I interview Porik Fogarty from the Irish Wildlife Trust Uh, Kira and Anna are staying with me for part two where we look in more depth at the IPCC report woo